Women at Work by Hey is supported by Wix Playground. Let's celebrate design, culture and creative freedom together. Welcome to this ninth episode of Women at Work by Hey. My name is Anne Guerra and here in the Rec Lab studio in Barcelona we have our outstanding technicians, Veronica Fuerte, the head of Hey and curator of this show, Colette Castaño, our supreme producer, and Cindy Kersters, our community master. Today, I'm delighted because of many things. As you might know, we started this podcast in 2021, and uh, we've been technically evolving it and mainly basing our interviews on video calls. Uh, this was an excellent way to reach many voices worldwide after a fully national talent first season. However, there is nothing like an in-person interview, I believe. Um, there is a different energy in actual human interaction. And today, um, we have an incredible guest uh, that's visiting Barcelona for an Elisava Master talk, by the way. And uh, she has made some room in her agenda to also be here with us at this show. Gail Bigler, welcome to Women at Work by Hey. Thank you. Um, how are you, Gail? How's Barcelona teaching you? It's good. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, suffering a little bit from jet lag, but otherwise really good. Um, just to give a little background, Gail, uh, you are the creative director at the New York Times magazine. Um, that name's like says it all. And uh, you lead a team of professionals and have won international awards with your um, very intelligent and very witty and very creative design approach. Um, so thank you for being with us here today because it's just amazing to have you here. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Um, you're used to telling stories at the New York Times and with your designs, I always feel like you kind of tell, I always try to tell a story with them. Um, so um, tell us your story, Gil. Like, where did it all start? Where do you come from? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, well, I grew up in the Midwest um, uh, near Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, both of my parents were social workers, uh, but they they were very creative in their spare time. So my dad did a lot of photography. He actually had a, a business um, doing wedding photography. Um, that's kind of a side business. Um, and my mom did a lot of painting. Mm. Um, and so I kind of grew up with that creativity around me and yeah. was encouraged to do that. Um, so I grew up doing a ton of art. Um, even, you know, in high school, I took classes at a local art college. So I, and I did things like, you know, life drawing, um, painting, pottery. Mm. I did photography. Um, so I kind of always knew I was going to do something with yeah. art. Like, when, I remember when I went to college, it wasn't really even a question. You know, I knew I was <laughs> so going to do just, it. just, like, going to do it. Yeah. And I also um, read a lot. I love stories. Um, and I wasn't really allowed to watch TV. Ah. <laughs> so I was allowed to watch one hour a day. Yeah. I wish we could do that today. I know. Without screens and everything. I oh. know. But so I, I, I was always very interested in stories of all mm -hmm. kinds. Um, and then so. you studied and... Then life happened, right? I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I went to, uh, I went to school for fine art, mm -hmm. and then while I was there, at the kind of tail end, um, I took some classes in design. Ah. Um, some of that was really thinking about what I was going to do next. Um, what I put myself through school, um, so I kind of had always thought about, you know, how how am I going to support myself? Yeah. Um, started taking these design classes and found that I really enjoyed them. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, got out of school and I uh, got a job at a small studio designing books. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing start. Yeah. And mm. the, the books were art books. So that was great yeah. for me because I, you know, was so interested in fine art. Um, 
And then you uh, founded your own studio, I think, I believe, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's maybe overstating it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I basically <laughs> went off on my own um, and did and did work, um, you know, similar kinds of work to what I was doing in the studio. You know, work for cultural institutions yeah. and um, publishers. And um, but I found that it was really quite hard for me to work on my own. Mm-hmm. And which year did you went into New York Times Magazine? Uh, that was two thousand three. Oh, wow. It's been a while now. Yeah. And actually, mm. I started off at T, the style magazine. Yes, exactly. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, t- 20 years. <laughs> it's a long time. We will go through them because I'm very interested in how many changes you must have seen like there in the in, in doing all these, in this kind of big statement of journalism that is uh, the New York Times. So, um, but um, going back to those uh, first years, like um, with all that creative environment that you had, was there someone that really inspired you when you were growing up? I wouldn't I wouldn't say there was really a particular person. Um I feel like it was more just kind of, you know, being being around creativity. Mm. Um but I can't I can't name like a particular person that inspired me necessarily. But that's super interesting because like being in an environment that kind of inspires you makes you in the end like take some decisions that are really good for you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um how do you remember that kid, Gail? How 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 was she? How's, how was Gail when she was a kid? Very determined. Mm. <laughs> um, I also I played sports as well, yeah. um, and I was uh, a pretty aggressive, determined player. Like I was, I I played hockey. Um, I was the person that always walked away with like the black eye or the broken <laughs> nose. <laughs> I can't imagine you like that nowadays. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I I've always been. Uh, someone who doesn't let things really stand in my way and uh, willing to work really hard. Um, that's kind of just kind of mm-hmm. how I've always been. That's amazing. Um, so I guess like with this environment, you were kind of uh, put in that creativity way. But um, do you think that creativity is something that you are born with or you kind of can, you can, you can take it in as a, something that you can learn? Yeah, um, it's an interesting question. I think it's a bit of both. Really, I think you do have to be born with some kind of creativity. But for me, definitely in terms of what I do now, a lot of it has been, you know, skills that I worked on and learned um, and and still am working on. Um, I feel like it's just something that throughout my career I'll be, you know, working and learning on. Mm, That's a very good thing to note. Um, Because, like, we need to keep on working and learning skills and never take things for granted, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Which was the aha moment that uh, you decided, okay, design is my thing. Like, design is my passion, as they would say. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it actually came pretty late for me in my career. Um, You know, I think uh, when I got out of school and I started designing books, um, you know, I was really interested in the craft of that and um, engaged in that. But I think, you know, I always kind of thought, maybe I'll go back to school and maybe get a master's degree um, and do something with fine art because I, you know, had loved that so much. and I think the moment when that changed for me was when I got to the New York Times and particularly the Sunday magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, what happened there, I, I had been designing these books, and those books are always kind of in service of, you know, an uh, an artist's work. Right. So you're kind of yes. thinking about how to present somebody else's mm. work. Um, you know, you can definitely impose your own framework onto it mm-hmm. and your own thinking and, and, you know, have, you know, something conceptual there. Um but when I came to the New York Times, it was a very different thing. Um, you know, it was really um, thinking about the ideas mm. and having a hand in making the visuals. 
and uh, being able to uh, collaborate with, you know, all different kinds of artists um, and having that platform. I think that was something where I really felt like, you know, this is my this is my place. Like, this is something that I really love and enjoy. How was the uh, the gale that went into that first day of work at the at, at tea, uh, but in the New York Times kind of um, family? What did you feel? Because it must be like, wow. Yeah, uh, it was definitely uh, kind of an amazing moment, you know, being able to work for an iconic institution like that. But at the same time, I also was like, you know, it was pretty scary for me because I had never worked on a magazine before. Um, I had just kind of contacted um, Janet Froelich, who was the creative director there, shown her a bunch of books uh, and projects that I'd done on my own, um, and she gave me a chance. She gave me a, like a three weeks, a three week freelance stint. No way. Yeah. <laughs> so I had very little time to prove myself, and I knew that it was going to be like a really like steep learning curve. It was intimidating. And how did you manage with the stress? Because I, I can feel like um, there's many young people that listen to this podcast and I, I can imagine they are facing the same situation right now. How did you manage that kind of um, responsibility, stress, and at the same time, like a uh, pressure? Yeah. Uh, you know, I just did the best I could. I, I, you know, I wasn't like a superstar at all coming in. I, I just, you know, I did the work uh, and I tried to be a good colleague and, you know, did what I could to impress. Um, you know, I wasn't particularly impressive, um, but, you know, I, you know, I learned. Um, which is the, the biggest learning if you, I know it must be difficult to just choose one, but of this 20 years in the New York Times, um, as, as you've said, iconic uh, plays in, in the journalistic world, which is the biggest learning that you've, you've had, you've, you've made? I think it's really um, trusting your trusting your gut, trusting your instincts. Because um, mm. I've allowed myself to be talked out of things at points and really regretted it. Um, and particularly uh, at the New York Times, you're dealing with editors who are, you know, really smart, very verbal. They have a lot of reasons why things should happen in a certain way. Um, and you can really easily be talked out of a good idea. Mm, I can imagine, yes. Yeah, and, there, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why it shouldn't be that way. Um, but I think, you know, one thing to remember is that, you know, we're experts at what we do. Um, and oftentimes, you know, even though something sounds right, if I, f if I really feel that it should be a certain way, you know, I fight for it. The eternal um, quest between um, the words and the shape, right? It's yeah. just like that. Because I, I, I remember studying my degree. It was only always like, no, but it doesn't fit here. And I was like, yeah, but I want this title. It was just like the constant battle. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the nice things about the times is all that kind of back and forth. There's in, There are people like, you know, doing all different kinds of jobs there that really care about what we make and trying to make something really good. So it's, it's, you know, a pleasure to have those conversations. But at the same time, you really do sometimes have to stick to your guns. Um, you do have to listen and, and take in what people say. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of times they do have a viewpoint, you know, that changes your mind. But if your mind isn't changed, then, you know, you yeah. have to try and push forward. Do you, um, I can imagine that you, you lead like a big team, right, of um, designers and collaborators, illustrators. What do you look for in a young designer that wants to join? Um, beyond the kind of like, you know, basic skills, um, somebody who's curious. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, uh, you know, somebody that's really interested in what we make um, wants to be there. Um, you know, we, you know, we publish so many stories. Um, if you, you're not interested in reading them, it's a huge problem. 
Thank you for saying that. Thank you. I'm yeah. just going to play this over and over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and I mean, beyond that, also just some basic things, you know, somebody that's a team player, you know, somebody that you want to work with, um, those kinds of things. Um, definitely. Um, many uh, female creatives here have, because, um, like, it's like the whole season has been going on and um, have told us that uh, one of the main things to avoid uh, it, when designing is taking things personally, as in uh, criticism or like if someone tells you, oh, I don't really like this, this work you've done or the design you've done. And they, they said that that was one of the hardest things to do, learning how to just take a step back, breathe, not react and be like, okay, it's just my work, it's not me. Um, how do you feel about that? Does that happen to you or has it happened to you? Do you see it around? Um, I think it's really good advice. Um, I think it's quite hard to follow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I make something that's, you know, pretty out there and gets a lot of commentary um, and, you know, gets some criticism. Um, and, you know, for all the great comments that you get, a lot of times it's the negative one that kind of, like, sticks with you. That's something that I, I don't like and try and, like, actively, you know, try and absorb the other commentary. Um but, you know, usually when I get a little bit of distance from it, I don't really ever act on those things. Kind of like you said, I just kind of take a step back and absorb it. Uh, but I do try and learn from them. You know, sometimes I, I look at them and I try and think about, you know, you know, is that right? Mm -hmm. And if it is, I try and learn from it. What's the biggest mistake that um, um, designers, graphic designers, art directors around you, like, um, or you've seen that they usually make... Um, if there's anyone that repeats, because there might be mm, a lot of them, but yeah, is there anything that you're like, oh, this repeats over and over again? Yeah, I mean, for for editorial design, probably you know, not not being intentional in a certain way, um, you know, just kind of getting involved in formal experimentation and not really thinking about um, the content that it conveys. And I, I mean, I'm all for formal experimentation. I think you know. Uh, we make some really inventive things at the magazine, but it really uh, is ultimately about communication and you have to get the message across and the tone right. And um, so it's it's a balance. Mm -hmm. For example, like I was I was looking at um, the some of your projects uh, or the pieces that you've uh, put out lately. And one of them was like the that one called The Nine Ways to Imagine Jeff Bezos' Wealth. Yeah. Because I thought that was amazing. Uh it gives you a lot of insights of uh, this man's wealth. How, what does the creative process behind that work? What's the typical, if there is one way, one methodology that you work with? Well, that one actually was a special project. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a case where the editors came to us with an idea. You know, they wanted to visualize this thing that was very hard to, you know, uh, get a handle on. And mm -hmm. people don't really understand what that kind of wealth looks like. Yeah, and so... Um, we we were you know generating the content for that, uh, so it wasn't though it wasn't as though we got a story that we were trying to ah. uh, you know kind of uh, illustrate in some way. So we reached out to Mona Chalabi, mm -hmm. uh, who's amazing uh, a data journalist, and you know worked with her, um, and it was a team of us. So that was a very kind of specific project. Um, I would say in general, uh, you know, we get a story. We, you know, read through it, really try and get an understanding of what the main point of it is. Um, and then the first step is to try and figure out what the visuals are going to be. Mm. And sometimes that is obvious, you know, sometimes, you know, it's about an event or it's a profile. And so it's going to be, a, a, you know, photography. 
um, a lot of the stories that we do are about ideas. Yeah. And so then, you know, that's something different. And those are actually the stories that I really love to work on, um, the ones where you're trying to visualize something that isn't necessarily inherently visual. Definitely. Um, how do you, because you've said about like this um, complex, well, these stories that you that you work with are usually complex, they've got a lot of information, data. How do you usually work around that information, that data? How do you work with it? Yes, the stories are very nuanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times it's really about trying to get a, a good handle on what the story is. And sometimes when we get the stories, they're actually, I mean, always when we get the stories, they're like in in process. So you might get something that's one way um, and the editors are actually trying to push it in a totally different direction. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of times we'll get stories that maybe seem like they might be a profile, but actually they're it's a way into the story. That person is a way into the story and they're going to try and make a broader point. Um, so we have a lot of conversations um, with the editors at the magazine and writers um, and really make sure that we, you know, understand the framing of the story mm-hmm. and that tends to inform everything else that we do. It's the concept and the idea of phase what you like the most of what you do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love, well, you know, it's hard to say because I, I love coming up with the ideas, but I also really do love the execution. For me, uh, you know, I, I really like, you know, making things. Um and, you know, I don't make a ton of stuff myself now, but it's more it's more directing. Um, and I love uh, love doing that. Is it more like a uh, process that ends up with a eureka moment, like I've got it, or you're in the shower thinking about things and then the, the cover comes up? Or is it more like a let's work and try and do and like put aside and try again? What's the what's usually how do you come up with the idea? You know, occasionally I've just had an idea for something, like you just hear about it and you you have an idea for what it should be, and then that's it. Um, That's not the usual way that it goes. I think for me, um, I sketch, you know, I've had sketchbooks my entire career, Mm. um, and, you know, it's my way of thinking. So I sit down and I think about the story, and I try to think as flexibly as I can um, and try and come at it from a bunch of different angles um, to see if I can come up with something. Uh, And usually... I know when I have a good idea mm-hmm. that I think is going to work. But oftentimes it will take me a while. It's it's usually either the first idea or the last idea. <laughs> <laughs> and everything in between. Yeah, and sometimes if I have a good idea at the start, I will still continue on and try and see if I can make something better. And sometimes you need to go back to the first idea, yeah. I can imagine, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, that always happens. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm always very optimistic for, for some reason. I have no arguments to be optimistic, but... I am, and like um, seeing the kind of journalistic spectrum that we are now embedded in, which is a bit daunting sometimes. Um, from your designer perspective, how do you see the communicational context that we're living in right now, and how the information is changing so fast and so sometimes scarily? How do you feel about that? Yeah. Um... I mean, as far as, like, what's happening in journalism right now, you know, it definitely uh, is hard to kind of watch what's happening in magazines. They're very they're very hard hit. Uh, but I do have, you know, optimism about the future for them, um, you know, particularly um, some of the stuff that we're doing. Um, my role has changed quite a bit over the years, and, you know, we're doing a lot of digital storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I find a lot of... Um, 
you know, things that are really interesting about that and different ways to tell stories. Um, and I think that's really exciting. Um, but are you asking more about the kind of like misinformation or? It's more like, I don't know, it just feels like there is this uh, feeling about how difficult it is to get good news nowadays. And it's harder and harder for journalists to have time to do good stories and research and Maybe that's not the New York Times case, but like um, here in Spain, it's a bit more like that. Yeah. Like it's very fast paced and you need to be everywhere at the same time and doing like, um, and I always think that journalism needs a bit of sitting down and thinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's definitely fast paced um, where I work. It's not the same thing as the paper, which is, you know, really fast paced. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the journalism that we do you know, uh, does take place over a good amount of time. Um, and that is a kind of distinguishing feature about the journalism in the magazine. The visuals are much faster. Mm -hmm. So it's your part, which is the faster one. Yeah, we're at the <laughs> tail end. <laughs> and uh, we we are often the ones that are crunched. Um, but yeah, the Times, you know, invests in, in journalism and they have resources. It's a really lucky, you know, unique position to mm -hmm. be in and to be able to still tell these stories in a way that really has integrity. Yeah, definitely. How can design help, um, in this case, build a better and more informed future? What's the what's the space of design in this, um, in this conundrum that we're right now? Well, I think that, you know, what we do helps people to engage with issues. You know, design can really... Um, you know, make things clearer, help explain things. Um, and I think that, you know, that's so important moving forward, um, just getting people to understand what's happening and engage with things. Um, so I see that as the role. Mm -hmm. What does it make like um, a good design, a great design? Is there a key? Is there a, a little ingredient? I feel like it, it's different things. <laughs> I'm, I can name a few things that I think, you know, I think maybe something surprising. Mm. Uh, you know, something that you didn't expect, uh, something that leaves a little bit of room for the viewer to, you know, draw a conclusion. Uh, maybe not something quite so straightforward, but something that when you look at it, you take a moment and then you think, oh, yeah, I get it. I feel like, you know, some of those things, mm -hmm. you know, are things that um, make a design special uh, and something that makes a, an emotional connection with people. Because I, I, I always think like your covers and your stories always have this kind of balance between being straightforward, as in anyone can understand them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the concept is super solid. And it's something, as you've said, surprising and witty. And it, it, it has like different levels. How do you manage to balance all that? Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's really about communi communicating things that are pretty simple. You know, my you asked a little bit about my process, and usually my process in terms of coming up with the cover visual is to get our editors to say what the story is in one sentence. Oh, that's uh, difficult, though, for it's them. Very, it's very <laughs> difficult. Um, you know, normally when I ask that, I you know, I get, you know, a couple minutes of <laughs> nuanced <laughs> information. And then uh, you're like, no, just one sentence. Yes, I, and I do. I really push on it. Um and uh, I think that's because it's quite hard to communicate something nuanced. You know, you need it to actually be something pretty simple. It's not that an image can't have nuance that maybe people can pick up on later. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it has to communicate really directly. And it has to be, you know, uh, something very simple. 
which is the most difficult thing, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you, uh, where do you find inspiration when you're stuck and you're like, oh, I don't know how to do this? Where do you go for inspiration? You know, I think most of my inspiration comes from language. Mm. Uh, so, you know, particularly for the stories that I work on, um, a lot of times I will read through them and, you know, like highlight things and, you know, sketch things on the paper that I'm reading. Um, because a lot of times it's like certain phrases or, you know, things that stick out to me that would suggest a visual or just like a different way into the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I was mentioning trying to think about things flexibly. There's, you know, often so many different ways into a story. And one of the really good things about the editors at the magazine is that, you know, sometimes they will tell me, well, this is, you know, this is how we're thinking of framing this story. And I will try to visualize that. Right. Um, other times I'll be reading the story and think, you know, well, this is another way into it. Yeah. And this makes a good visual. And, uh, you know, they're pretty good at recognizing when something is powerful. And if it is still on target, they will write to it. Um, so they will, instead of kind of, you know, using the headline that they had given, they will write a headline that works with the uh-huh. image. And that is so important, just that they're both kind of pulling in the same direction. Teamwork. Yes. Teamwork, exactly. I yeah. always try to tell this to my students, like teamwork, design is not an individual thing. No. <laughs> and definitely at the magazine, it is not individual in any way. There's just nothing that gets made by one person. You know, teams of people working on everything. You were mentioning um, curiosity before, and uh, definitely curiosity is a big thing. How do you keep being curious um, and not being like, oh, I'm just bored of everything? How do you manage that curiosity? Well, I think, uh, you know, with what I do, I'm kind of, I'm constantly learning. Um, the magazine has so many stories on all these different topics. You know, it's not like, you know, it's not, you know, if you're doing a cooking magazine, that's what you're, you're reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, our magazine does stories on a huge number of different kinds of topics, almost more than any other magazine. Definitely. And so that is, you know, I think the reason why I've been able to really have a career there that's sustained that I am constantly learning um, just in order to do my job. Super good advice. And is there any advice that you've followed um, through these years? Is there some some kind of mantra that you've stuck with? Yeah, I think probably, uh, you know, don't, don't be afraid to fail. Give yourself permission to fail. Um, because, you know, with the thing that, that we make, you know, it's 52 issues per year. Uh, and... Uh, you know, not everything is going to be great. You're going to, you know, you're going to make some things. If you take risks, you're going to have some things that work out and some things that don't. And mm-hmm. I think that's actually better than having a kind of steady medium. So having the highs and lows, I think, is great. Um, and you have to take some risks in order to do that. Is there um, any dream that you, any challenge, any dream that you want to face? Is there anything in the future that um, you want to do? Um, well, I think actually that I'm, I'm pretty happy where I am. I, I have my, my dream job. So just being able to have longevity in it and do it well. That's, that's very nice. And, and do you feel hopeful for the future? Like, um, how do you feel? Because nowadays a bit, plan, they say planning is pivotal, but at the same time, planning too much ahead right now, it seems like an impossible thing because yeah. of what we've been through. So how do you feel about the future? I feel positive about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I mean, I know journalism 
has been through some tough times. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, you know, I th- like I said, I we're doing some pretty interesting things. I'm excited about, uh, you know, the kinds of digital storytelling that we're doing. My job has changed a huge amount, and I, you know, have to, you know, gain new skills. And, you know, there's something very exciting about that and the opportunities that are ahead. Gail Bigler, thank you very much for being here with us. That was amazing. And I would interview you for like two million hours. Wow. <laughs> uh, but I know you've got an agenda and today you're going to give this amazing talk in Elisava. So thank you very much for making some room for us. Thank you. And to you who are listening to, to Women at Work by Hay on the other side, thank you very much for your constant support. Thanks to all my young students uh, who approach me and tell me that you love this podcast because like that really makes a difference. And you keep us going, seriously. Until the next episode, stay safe and smash the patriarchy. Yeah.